Welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with the Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today, and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 13, Serving Others by Detaching Accept favor and disgrace as a threat that troubles the body like a disease. What does it mean to accept favor and disgrace as a threat? Everyone seeks to be favored. No one seeks to be disgraced. When one receives it, it causes alarm. When one loses it, it causes alarm. Therefore, favor and disgrace are both threatening. What does it mean that the disease troubles one's body? One suffers from the disease because one treasures one's body. If one does not love one's body, one will no longer suffer from the disease. Therefore, entrust the land under heaven to the one who does not treasure his body. Sanction the land under heaven to the one who does not love his body. He who does not love even his own body will not treasure rulership, and so he will truly care for all things. That's verse 13 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Chao Shu Shen. Next, let's break it down. If you'll notice, that is a new translator that we've introduced into the podcast. Normally, Lin Yu Tang is the author that I, or the translator that I really like to use. Um, Charles Johnston is adequate, and so is James Legge. Um, but I felt that their translations didn't have the same amount of impact that Chao Shushen does. So, 
that's why we're doing this one. Uh, she's a female translator and has really contributed to the wealth of the Tao Te Ching with her translation. It's beautiful. Okay, so let's look at this verse. It has four parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. Part one is basically where Chao Shushen translates that accepting favor and disgrace is a threat that troubles the body like a disease. Part one is basically saying being subject to good and bad causes agitation and that fear is caused by the self. The second part of the verse says if we remove judgment, we remove agitation. And that's the part where the first question is introduced is what does it mean to accept favor and disgrace as a threat? The third part says if we remove self, we remove fear. And that's the part of the, uh, the third part where, where the second question is asked. It's what does it mean that the disease troubles one's body? And then the fourth part says, at least in my interpretation, the servant leader cares for followers in the absence of agitation and fear. And that's where we're saying, therefore, entrust the land under heaven to the one who does not treasure his body, love his body. Because if, even if he doesn't love his own body, then he won't treasure rulership. And so he'll really care for everything. So the question is, well, let's go back to part one. Like, how is being subject to good and bad... And, um, how is fears caused by self? How does that trend? How does that line up to accepting favor and disgrace as a threat that troubles the body like a disease? Well, it's sort of the basis for the whole verse. So I'll kind of just dip into this real quick. Accepting favor and disgrace is basically saying, or favor and disgrace themselves are, are sort of, mm, shades of the broader definition of good and bad. So favor would be good and disgrace being bad, right? And here Lao Tzu argues that both of these things actually cause agitation or a stirring up of emotion. And then the second thing in this first part is that um, they're both a threat that troubles the body like a disease. And so uh, Chao Chushan says, well, later what does it mean that the disease troubles one's body? Um, it's kind of like if you didn't have a body, you wouldn't have a disease. You wouldn't be troubled by a disease, right? <laughs> Classic Tao Te Ching. And we could take that a step further and say that, well, anything that we are afraid of is because we have selves. And actually Lin Yutang references that in, in his translation of verse 13. So the idea is that for the entire verse, like we're talking about being subject to good and bad causes agitation and fear is caused by self. And then the conclusion of all that after we kind of get into those concepts is that the servant leader cares for followers in absence of agitation and fear. Okay. Thanks for bearing with me so far. To wrap it up, let's remember that verse 13 has four parts to it. So part one says, being subject to the ideas of good and bad causes agitation and that fear is caused by self part two states that if we remove judgment we remove agitation part three says that if we remove self we can remove fear and part four says that the servant leader cares for followers in absence of agitation and fear
Okay, so let's put that back together. I'll read verse 13 from Chao Shushan again. Accept favor and disgrace as a threat that troubles the body like a disease. What does it mean to accept favor and disgrace as a threat? Everyone seeks to be favored. No one seeks to be disgraced. When one receives it, it causes alarm. When one loses it, it causes alarm. Therefore, favor and disgrace are both threatening. What does it mean that the disease troubles one's body? One suffers from the disease because one treasures one's body. If one does not love one's body, one will no longer suffer from the disease. Therefore, entrust the land under heaven to the one who does not treasure his body. Sanction the land under heaven to the one who does not love his body. He who does not love even his own body will not treasure rulership, and so he will truly care for all things. Let's take a look at some of the things that this made me think about today when considering serving others by detaching. There are four things. The first one is agitation and fear. The second one is the case for removing judgment. Third is the case for removing self. And then fourth is serving with detachment. Agitation and fear. I like how Lao Tzu introduces the contents of this verse in the first part. In another of my favorite translations of this verse, Lao Tzu says that success and failure are two spots on an unstable ladder, and hope and fear are both phantoms that arise from thinking of the self. Agitation, he says, is caused by two things, both success and failure. I feel excited and exhilarated when other people tell me I'm good enough, either with formal recognitions or awards or informally through telling me good job or attaboy. (laughs) Conversely, when I perceive that I'm not achieving a certain thing, I feel like I've failed. I haven't measured up. I'm falling short of the mark. Things like that. And those two cause a stirring of my emotions. So in both cases, each one of these things produces different sensations of agitation. Still, in the first part of the verse, Lao Tzu talks about fear in terms of the feeling we get when our bodies are threatened. So yeah, fear of death. We can push into this a little more and just examine this basic feeling of fear. Fear of not being enough of anything. And if we flip that coin for a moment, we see hope on the other side. Hope of being alive, hope of life, hope of being enough for anything. And just like the success and failure thing causing agitation, Lao Tzu says that the body or the self is what causes us to be susceptible to fear and hope. Of course, there's a larger implication at play, which we find out at the end of the verse. So this isn't just a study in agitation and fear. The end of this verse is like a gift that's just sitting there waiting to be opened once I can digest the fundamental aspects of these two things. Classic Lao Tzu. Always stretching my conceptions of the Tao. 
However, it does seem important enough to examine these two things in the verse. So that's what the next two parts of this section talk about. The case for removing judgment. Agitation caused by judgment is the byproduct of my buy-in to the ideas of success and failure, or good and bad. I'm starting to sense how I myself and no one else has created the notions of success and failure in my head. But what's success? What's failure? In a way, these can be looked at as quite arbitrary words. They're relative to each other, and they seem like two opposites that describe what I or others call a desired and undesired state. Who made success desired and who made failure undesirable? That seems like a glib question at first. Like, why is air breathable? But the reality is that I made success desired and failure undesirable. But where did this come from? Was it that I was listening to others tell me what success and failure are? I mean, shouldn't we have language to kind of agree on standard meanings of stuff? Yeah, that's reasonable and it's useful. Because we sort of pass these notions around as humans. Like, that's what we do. We define things. Things that are, quote, good and, quote, bad. And success and failure are personal measures I associate with those judgments. So... When I'm successful, I'm allowing others to tell me that I'm good. And when I fail, that means that I haven't accomplished success and have let others tell me that I'm not good. If I remove these notions from my worth, I have only me. Lao Tzu seems to be saying that if there is no success, there is no failure. If there's no prestige, then there's no shame. If there's no good, there's no bad. In short, I can avoid all bad feelings by placing no importance on the good feelings. And if there is no bad, there is no agitation. (laughs) Cool. But, alright, so let's pause for a moment and address a nagging question that was at least in my mind when I was kind of thinking about this. Aren't these notions of good and bad actually useful things? Like, don't I need a moral compass? I mean, what would the world look like without them? It would be pandemonium and chaos, wouldn't it? Well, consider for a moment that we're using these notions as tools only. Success means a particular thing, and its opposite, failure, means another. In the second verse of the Tao Te Ching, duality we had a look at how opposites actually define each other. And here, we can see that success and failure, since they're two things relative to each other, don't actually exist. Because they're actually part of one. So, why base a moral compass on something that isn't real? What? Not real? That's preposterous! That's why my childhood conditioning is screaming at me right now. So let's come at it from another angle. While success and failure describe a measure of worth, they're really just made up standards, and this is why. Because we are already inherently aware of the good and the bad. There are some folks that seem to be, quote, more enlightened than others, to be sure. But isn't part of being useful to our fellow humans helping those, quote, less enlightened along their journeys as well? 
How many people have helped you on your way? There have been hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that have helped me. I may not have been receptive at the time, but they planted the seeds of the journey of enlightenment along the way. So let's tackle that pandemonium thing. Right now, I don't really think it has merit. Could we consider for a moment that the world will be in chaos is just a reflection of my fear of others and how they'll behave? Pushing deeper, could I consider that it's really my fear that I won't be able to guide myself because I'm undisciplined as a, quote, good human and prone to errors? I mean, it would certainly be a well-founded fear for I can't. (laughs) I can't keep myself disciplined. I need the Tao to do that. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that there's no need for a moral compass because we've already got one. Harmony with the Tao, being one with the Tao, is all we ever need. We have inherent senses of what's good and bad, don't we? No one really needs to teach me that killing makes me feel icky, to put it very mildly, and that seeing a smile of gratitude from another person makes me feel peace, love, and joy. I just know these things. So the lesson that Lao Tzu seems to be conveying with this comparison is this. The attachment of importance on success or failure is what causes us unnecessary agitation and therefore discord with the Tao. Placing importance on these two notions just leads me away from my nature, from my automatic connectedness to the Tao with which I was born. The Case for Removing Self In a Stephen Mitchell rendition of the Tao Te Ching, The narrator says that hope and fear are also created by the self and are therefore phantom notions. To which I at first recoiled and said, hope, are you for real? Fear, yes, I understand and embrace that, of course. But hope? Come on, isn't hope what got me out of my emotional quagmire in the first place? Doesn't the Tao offer unfettered hope? A thousand times yes. So let's consider this seemingly jarring statement for a moment. Let's consider that hope could be fear's opposite. And that's not too far of a stretch. Fear is the worry that something will be taken away or not achieved. So if we're looking at fear's opposite, hope becomes the awareness of the possibility of receiving or achieving, isn't it? When I'm afraid, it's really hard to see anything but that fear. So I like to remember that despite what I'm seeing or feeling, if I don't like that and want to change it, I can move in the opposite direction, the one towards hope, to lift myself out. Fair enough, right? Now, let's push just a little further. Let's consider that like success and failure, hope and fear are just phantoms of reality that are based on the notion of self. Now, fear is easy to look at in this light. I generally find myself in fear when my security, prestige, or emotional well-being are threatened. Threats to my sense of self. And when I realize that it's just me feeling and not actually being threatened, poof, the fear leaves and all of a sudden, I know how to deal with that perceived threat. Hope must work the same way then. 
When I am hopeful, to quote a friend and a teacher of mine, I have become aware of the possibility that I might be able to have security, prestige, or emotional well-being, that myself may very well be okay. So, these two things, fear and hope, they share a common denominator, don't they? They share the idea of self. Looked at in this way, hope and fear are therefore manifestations of the ego. Lao Tzu tells us that without the self, I have no fear and need no hope. There is no need for hope because I'm not in fear. Now, that's not to say that hope is useless. Of course it's not. But when I'm not in self, it's not something I've got to have. I think the thing to remember is that I am a self. I get caught in self, like all the time. I like the idea of using hope as a powerful antidote to fear. And I like the idea of how they both fit together like that. For me, the takeaway for this third part of verse 13 is that when I'm not in self, I'm at much less risk of feeling fear. So what's the deal with this no self thing? Why are we even talking about it in the first place? Well, in verse 12, we talked about using inner vision to observe what's really going on around us. When we're in self, we're blocking our inner vision. You remember how we talked about the pursuit of satisfaction of the senses, the pursuit of accomplishment and pride? Those things blind us from what's really important. Putting ourselves in a position where we automatically receive the gifts of the Tao. And the removal of self is one of the things we can allow, along with abandoning our attachments to success and failure, to do that. Which brings us now to the next section. Serving others by detaching. Putting this all together... I feel like parts one, two, and three are insightful in and of themselves, but there's a larger conclusion we can take away from this verse. An absence of success and failure leaves me with just me. An absence of self and fear leaves me with, yes, just me. Devoid of any judgments. Devoid of any emotional imbalance. When I can suspend my own tendency to place my ego's pronouncements on me, I am so much more useful for the Tao, others around me, and of course myself. That's what I feel the gift of the Tao is for us. If I can let things be without having to mess with them, then I stay usable by the Tao. And I'm not the only one who benefits either. Nope. It's the Tao that benefits, and it's others that benefit, and then finally I get to benefit. And that's by allowing the Tao to use me as a channel. Let's recall how we talked about being useful in verse 11. That verse talked about the utility of emptying ourselves. Verse 12 says that the inner vision is how to look at things, And now this verse implores us to remove judgment and self so we're not agitated and not in fear. We can string together verse 11 and verse 12 to make sense in a deeper way in verse 13. 
Verse 11 is all about the utility about being empty. Verse 12 is about being able to see uh, whether or not like things are actually moving in and out, right, with with our inner vision. And then verse 13 is, say, is saying, well, okay, this is how you do it. I love it. It's so beautiful. Okay, so when I become useful for the Tao, I find that I have what I have always wanted and have always searched for, purpose, fulfillment, and usefulness. Lao Tzu says that the servant leader cares for the world as self and loves the world of self as self. So when I'm devoid of agitation and fear, I'm truly useful to the world. Chao Shushin puts this in another way. He who does not love even with his own body will not treasure rulership. And so he will truly care for all things. So for me, that's how serving others by detachment actually works. So to wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering serving others by detaching, I thought about four things. One, just the general idea of agitation and fear. The second thing I thought about was the case for removing judgment, which leads to good and bad and therefore agitation. The third thing I thought about was the case for removing self. And the fourth thing was serving with detachment. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of serving others by detaching in this verse today. There's two things we can do. Number one, we can become aware of and counteract agitation with non-judgment. Number two, we can become aware of and counteract fear with selflessness. So let's take a moment to get quiet like we usually do in this part of the episode. Let's open our minds and hearts and be willing to consider or let in that which may not be obvious for right now. Remember that we're just considering and becoming aware at this point. We're not judging or committing to any action. We're just observing. Can you consider the last time you felt like you had achieved or felt recognized for a job well done? Wasn't this exciting? Didn't it feel energizing? If it did, could we consider for a moment that it was agitating? Again, we're not saying that it's good or bad right now. We're just considering that we are in a heightened emotional state. Now, what about the last time you felt like a failure? Was anyone except you telling you that you were a failure? Were you reading into other people's body language to reinforce your belief that you were a failure? Did you maybe feel a little unworthy? In both of these cases, what actually caused this agitation? Was it others? Or was it you? Wasn't it because you bought into the idea that other people or external circumstances defined your success or failure? Or even that you set the conditions of your happiness or emotional well-being based on your ability to achieve something? Now that we're aware of agitation, let's consider how we might be helping others to feel agitated too. 
let's ask ourselves, do I ever intend to cause feelings of success and failure in others? Do I tell others they've done a good job? Do I tell others that they've done a poor job? Can I see how I'm contributing myself to the notion of success and failure? I'd like to ask you right now, what would it look like if you were to not participate in that? Would you be able to tell others that they're always eligible to receive the gifts of the Tao? Not in so many words, of course, but how could you tell them that? Would it be okay to abstain from trying to control other senses of success and failure? Could you help them realize that these things are just notions and not even real? And if you couldn't say it in words, how could you show it with your actions? With compassion? With acceptance? With non-judgment? Let's move on to fear now. Can you take a moment to remember the last time you felt afraid of something? Maybe it was when you were afraid of something not happening. Maybe you were afraid of not getting what you wanted. This seems pretty easy to acknowledge, doesn't it? It feels like something is being stirred up. Maybe a little anxiety. Now let's have a look at how we can begin to outgrow this fear. Remember, fear is a feeling that we're not or we don't have enough of something. It is rooted in a false sense of self. Despite what seems like evidence, could we have a look with our inner vision and see that we always have enough? That perhaps ourselves are telling us that we don't have enough? That maybe, just maybe, if ourselves weren't present, we would actually be okay? That we would be provided for without fail? Let's consider how we might help others remove this notion of not enough. Can we use hope to counteract fear? Can we help others to see the opposite of what they think is true when they're acting out of fear? When they're frustrated, angry, feeling guilty or ashamed, and taking it out on us, can we see how maybe that they're really just afraid? How can we help them come out of fear? Can we use compassion, tolerance, and love? And if we can do that for others, would we be willing to do it for ourselves? Could we be open to the possibility that fear doesn't exist without ourselves being present? Could we be open to the idea that perhaps ourselves don't actually exist and that we are really just one? That perhaps we're all the same person experiencing life as different manifestations of the Tao. And that'll wrap it up today. Thank you for listening. 
to consider the principle of serving others by detaching, I can do two things. Number one, I can become aware of and counteract agitation with non-judgment. And then the second thing is we can become aware of and counteract fear with selflessness. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 13, translated by Chao Shushen. Accept favor and disgrace as a threat that troubles the body like a disease. What does it mean to accept favor and disgrace as a threat? Everyone seeks to be favored. No one seeks to be disgraced. When one receives it, it causes alarm. When one loses it, it causes alarm. Therefore, favor and disgrace are both threatening. What does it mean that the disease troubles one's body? One suffers from the disease because one treasures one's body. If one does not love one's body, one will no longer suffer from the disease. Therefore, entrust the land under heaven to the one who does not treasure his body. Sanction the land under heaven to the one who does not love his body. He who does not love even his own body will not treasure rulership, and so he will truly care for all things. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.